You ever meet someone new and just wonder, how far can I throw this dude? Welcome into episode 13 of the Analog Sticks podcast, where this week we fend for our lives in an unknown world in the first entry in the Pikmin franchise. Let's go. Lucky 13. I can't wait. Hello and welcome back to Analog Sticks. My name is Rusty. This is my co-host, future teacher, man with no wrists, Cody. And today we are talking about 2001's Pikmin, Shigeru Miyamoto's favorite child. But before we dive into this game, Cody, how are you doing today? Rabble, rabble, rabble. I have wrists. Rabble, rabble. How are you? Um, I'm just telling <laughs> Sorry, people I'm just the truth directly here. directly reading our show notes. Uh, Russ has just written down rabble for any part where he wants me to speak. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Keeping up with classwork. Um, it's been busy though. No, literally no downtime. It's like get home, do work, work on the podcast, sleep. Yep, you guys are one of the priorities, so you should all feel special. Every single one of you listening, just know we care. And by the way, I didn't write that Cody has wrists because he doesn't. I'm just telling you guys the truth. Whether or not you want to believe it, that's up to you. But yeah, I'm doing all right. It was a fun weekend. I didn't really do too much. Watched some movies with the lady. Did a little brunch with my parents yesterday. Um, I survived a hurricane, but luckily we're in North Carolina, yeah. so we really just got a bunch of wind and rain. Um, we lost internet for about six hours, but other than that, we didn't have too much going on. Um, I did have to help my dad put in a new mailbox because theirs was old as hell anyways, and it's kind of like, oh, now it's really got to be done. So yeah, not really much going on other than the spaceship crash, you know? The but, what? Yeah, the spaceship crash. So this week, we're covering the first game, the first Pikmin <laughs> game. We both played the GameCube version, which I've heard is inferior to the Wii remake. But since Cody doesn't have wrists, we're playing the OG. I have wrists. Again, I'm just <laughs> speaking the truth. If they want to believe you, they can. But they don't have to. Anyways... <laughs> This is a game that I'd say I was slightly familiar with. I hadn't played until this week, though. I'd seen gameplay, and obviously, you know, Olimar and Alpha and Smash, and I'd actually played the mobile game Pikmin Bloom, which we may cover another day. But I knew that there were different kinds of Pikmin, some enemies, and Pikmin follow you around and carry stuff, and you can throw them. But I didn't actually know much about Pikmin gameplay. Cody, how familiar you would how familiar would you say you are with this franchise beforehand? And had you played any of the games by chance? Beforehand, um, I was in the exact same boat as you. My knowledge of Pikmin, it, it went as far as Smash Brothers, uh, and I had a vague idea that you know the game is about controlling a bunch of Pikmin. Um, but I, I was really interested in seeing how you control these Pikmin in the game before we played. Because I knew that it was kind of like a real-time strategy game, an RTS, but I knew it was a bit different. Um, speaking of RTSs, I used to love them growing up. Uh, <laughs> I, I really feel bad about it now, but I used to have a friend in, like, second grade where I would go to his house and just play his copy of Command & Conquer. <laughs> it's a good way to be. all <laughs> Before. I've developed into a better person, though. I, I swear. I feel marginal. bad about it. Marginal. Between <laughs> marginal, that and the risks, sure. it's, it's marginal. But yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, 
So that's that's what we've got here on our knowledge of Pikmin. But we have played the game now, and I wrote a burn about it. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're doing a burn oh, this week. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. We'll probably talk about the story a little bit later, but my mouth's on fire. So let's go ahead and get this thing out there. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, there's nothing more peaceful than a cruise through space on a tiny ship. That is until our lovely Shamu runs into Dwayne, to Dwayne Johnson and we come crashing down onto an alien planet and enslave some local root veggies to do our bidding and aid us in rebuilding our ship. After flinging our new friends onto enemies like the most drunk chick in a club and having them hold our beer, we can return home to our family after a 30-day bender in an unknown land. Beautiful. It's a simple one. It's a really simple it one. It's a simple game in some ways. Yep, I mean, the 30-day bender concept, it's really fun. We'll get more into that in a little bit. But before we do, before we really dive in, I kind of want to touch on how this series came to be and bring out a little history. And Cody, are you familiar with the spicy lovin' that led to the conception of Pikmin? So I I purposely didn't do too much research on this part. I knew that you had that knowledge. All I know is that at some point you mentioned it being some kind of tech demo. Yes. When the GameCube was first being shown off, I don't know if this was just after launch or before launch, they showed off a tech demo, which at the time was called Super Mario 128. And this shit was cursed as hell. It was basically a bunch of little Marios running around on a lumpy GameCube logo texture. And I mean, I'll put a picture on the YouTube portion now, but that's really basically all it was. It was just a bunch of Marios running around on the GameCube logo. Uh, it was made to show off the GameCube's processing power, though, by showing a shitload of characters moving around all at once. And as we all know, the Mario game we did get on the console wasn't Super Mario 128. It was Super Mario Sunshine. But the tech demo Mario 128 eventually got reskinned and turned into Pikmin. But Cody, you know, what? what, what is a Pikmin? I'll try to explain them letting the audience know that we've only played the first game. So, you know, maybe we learn new things that we don't know yet. Uh, this is how I can explain it with game one. Uh, so far, Pikmin are these mysterious creatures that your character Olimar describes as part plant and part animal. And as far as our knowledge of Pikmin, that's as far as it goes. Yeah, I mean, the premise of the game is really simple, though. We're controlling a ship captain named Olimar mm-hmm. who crash-landed his ship, the Dolphin, which was the code name for the GameCube, funny enough. And the parts got scattered over the planet when you crashed, and we have 30 days of life support to gather the parts so we can return home. And we quickly discover these Pikmin, who, like Cody said, half plant, half animal. He names them actually after some kind of a carrot that he has back on his home planet, which is kind of funny. But we discover the Pikmin, and then we basically have them do everything for us. It's great. And we mean anything. As soon as they meet you, they are ready to ride or die. Uh, to me, this either means they're way too suggestible for their own good, or, as the game's ending might suggest, they might be alien, and they might see Olimar kind of as their ticket off the planet. That's interesting. I hadn't even thought of it that way. I also hadn't thought about having them do anything. I'm sure you had your fun with the Pikmin then, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, a little wink-wink. Cody's getting a pleasure from them. Heard it here first. What? <laughs> Anyways, with that being said, if you're still listening after that bad joke, subscribe, <laughs> engage, follow, review, rate, like, subscribe, everything, comment. Tell me how bad my jokes are. <laughs> yes. Look, dude, I'm mashing A as hard as I can. Why is the subscriber count not going up? It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, 
Anyways, Cody, I know you've got an interest in design, studying it and all that, and I'd love to know what your thoughts are on the designs of these little guys. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think they're adorable. I love the little noises they make. Their character design's adorable. They've got heads bigger than their bodies, pointy little noses, big eyes with tiny arms and legs, and a big old stem sprouting from their heads. I love it. <laughs> yes, they're cute. I think Nintendo absolutely nailed this balance of appealing design and practicality. Here's a, here's a big section where I did a little bit of research. Um, I tried to do some research, actually, on the exact polygon count of a Pikmin. I just couldn't find anything online, though, and I don't have the tools to count it myself. Uh, when I say polygons, I'll say this for you and for the audience, I'm talking about the number of triangles that make up the character. Uh, so an example is Mario in Mario 64 is a quote-unquote low-poly character, and he's made up of 752 polys or triangles. Uh, Mario in Sunshine, which came out around the same time as Pikmin, uh, that Mario was upgraded to 1,348 uh, triangles. Big boy. Uh, even today, though, for many game studios, you want to have at least 10,000 triangles in your character, depending on what kind of game it is. Although for some games that are super cutting edge, it can... Uh, I don't say all games are this high, but some of them can get as high as... Uh, 100,000. All this to say, Pikmin are designed to have as few polygons as possible, and that's how we can get 100 on screen at the same time in the GameCube era, all simulated without any lag. Nintendo, by this point, uh, they were really good at communicating their character designs through as little polygons as possible, especially after you know developing for the Nintendo 64. Uh, and the Pikmin are just, to me, wonderful examples of that. However, I do gotta say, I never realized until I read it later that the red Pikmin have big distinctive noses and the blue Pikmin have these little <laughs> mouths. I think little details like that are really hard to see in older games uh, when the game output, you know, was standard definition, not HD. Oh yeah, I mean, we're gonna dive more into the graphics here in a little bit, but the way that they handle this with the camera and all that, where it's a little bit set back, you can never really mm -hmm. tell any imperfections with the models, and I think for a GameCube game, this looks as good, if not better, than Wind Waker or Mario Odyssey, which are other cel-shaded games. This one does have more definitive textures on some of the landscapes and whatnot, but it, it looks absolutely gorgeous, especially put oh, next to an RE4 or something. Ugh. But back on the Pikmin themselves, as Cody kind of suggested, mm -hmm. there are three different types. There are the red ones, which are the first ones you get, and these dudes are your standard Pikmin. They are resistant to fire for some reason, and they deal the most damage, they're the strongest, whatever, whatever. Then there's also mm. the yellow Pikmin, and they have those big old Legolas ears, my Lord of the Rings fans know, or anybody who's ever seen an elf. They can be thrown the highest and the farthest, and they can handle bomb rocks, which are just little rocks you find that blow up, hence bomb rocks. They're your utility Pikmin, if you will. And then lastly, yeah. there are the blues. And these dudes constantly look like they just walked into a room somebody farted in with their poor little mouths open, as Cody suggested. <laughs> and they've got gills, and they can breathe underwater, which makes them, in my opinion, the best, because they don't just randomly yeah, die great. when they fall off a bridge. But Super yeah. simple. Just three Pikmin. That's all you need. It gets... I've, I've seen in the later games, there's so many more, and just playing Bloom, I know what happens, and it's interesting, mm. but... With that, with the Pikmin design out of the way, I do also want to talk about the world design, now that we know who the Pikmin are, mm -hmm. and I want to talk about 
their world. Or maybe not. You suggested they might be aliens. I don't know Pikmin lore. And how lovely the people at the lovely people at Nintendo crafted an alien planet unlike anything we'd ever seen in any other game, even more so than a Metroid game, in my opinion. And in case you didn't pick up on it, uh, that's kind of sarcasm. The alien wor world we crashed down onto is meant to represent Earth, if it's not just Earth. <laughs> even yep. Olimar accounts in his captain's log that the planet is filled with poisonous oxygen, which got a chuckle out of me very early on. Not as much a chuckle, more so just a loud exhale out of my nose. But for the most part, for the most part, though, we're getting up close and personal with small sections of a forest, seeing as we are super tiny. And I don't know about you, but I instantly caught the vibe. I instantly caught that vibe, given the scale of some of the plants and roots and whatnot. But they later confirm it when you see massive tin cans rusting away in the woods. Yeah, um, I wish that I didn't know it was Earth before I started playing. I think I just kind of knew that it takes place on Earth through some kind of cultural osmosis you know mm -hmm. um although i guess the box in the tutorial gives it away right away doesn't it kind of in my mm -hmm. i said kind of <laughs> kind of in my opinion i think they missed an opportunity to put more effort into hiding the fact that it's on earth uh so that they could have some kind of big reveal halfway through the game where you realize oh my goodness this is earth uh, kind of like, spoilers, the original Planet of the Apes. That would have been interesting. I don't know if they could have held that secret long enough, especially with how early they implement some of the more human-like objects, I guess. Man-made yeah. objects, I should say. But it's it's all really good. And the imagery here, they did an awesome job at making it incredibly vivid and graphic, and I love it. And I'll go ahead and get this out of the way. For the GameCube game, this one looks stellar. The models seem yeah. to be high poly. We couldn't get a count on that, as you mentioned. I think I'm going to go out as far as to say it looks better than Wind Waker or Sunshine. But the graphics aren't muddled down at all in the same way you'd kind of see a Twilight Princess where they go with the hyper-realistic graphics, but it just yeah. kind of looks like vomit a little bit. Like Resident Evil 4, for instance. This is like the happy a, medium. I think it's a bit of a hot take saying that it looks better than Sunshine or Wind Waker. The The... Outside of the textures, like the bloom and the lighting for those two games, I think are really stellar. Uh, for me, I would put Pikmin right under the two of them. Oh, I, I hear what you're saying, but I disagree. If you take Wind Waker HD, bar none, Wind Waker HD looks better than this, obviously. You want to fight after this? I'll um, fight you. I don't know. I've been working out, man. And you don't have wrists. <laughs> it just wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Actually, without wrists, I feel like a punch could be a little more powerful. Yeah, you don't have anything to break other than your fingers in there. Actually, no, I haven't. That's a lie. But yeah, <laughs> the, way made, the way that they made this game, though, is absolutely beautiful. And I was kind of bummed out when I realized there are only five levels and two of them are just very, very small. Yeah. Um, you know, since there's only five levels, do you want to go ahead and run through the different levels and describe them a bit? Yeah, it won't take up too much of our time. I think that could be worth it. First off, there's the impact site, which is just where you crash and learn the basic controls. It's your tutorial the tutorial zone. After that, then there's the Forest of Hope, which is the first real level. And to me, it kind of felt like an extension of the impact site. It shares a lot of the same imagery. But in this level, we get actual challenges, and the game really starts here. I think this area, as well as the impact site, both feel really nice and comfortable to be in, even though there are some challenges in the Forest of Hope. Following the mm -hmm. Forest of Hope, though, we can go to the Forest Navel, which Olimar cites as looking like a belly button from space. And this area honestly felt pretty dull to me. Uh, it's barn on the most lifeless, and it gives off the vibes of, like, a damp cave. 
But all in all, it's still fun to traverse without a doubt. Just the least visually appealing, in my opinion. And I don't think many folks listening will disagree with me on that. Yeah, I don't know if you share the same dark. sentiment. I do gotta say, though, um, I really lit up when I realized that some of the parts could only be obtained by using different types of pigment at the same time. Uh, before this level, I gotta admit, I was collecting everything only using one pigment at a time. <laughs> Like, oh, I would yeah. just get a hundred of whatever Pikmin I needed, and I would just, I don't know, I would just storm through without too much thought. Oh, um, yeah. So it was a real pleasure to realize that the game was going to ask more strategy out of me to get some of these parts later in the game. Mm -hmm. And you see it at the end of the forest navel, like you're saying. In the, in the Forest of Hope, you can just kind of mow right through it with red Pikmin all at once, or yellow Pikmin all at once, and then even when you go mm -hmm. back, just blue Pikmin all at once. You don't have to kind of mix and match. But that's one of the things that we'll get into more so when we talk about the strategy part of this strategy game is how you kind of have to yeah. blend it. And they do a really good job at kind of naturally making that difficulty curve of having to think go up. And I really like that. Uh, but as I was saying, though, this area is kind of the most most dull if we're still talking about the design of it. And the reason I say that is because after the forest navel, there's the distant spring, which this level's beautiful. It gives me the same kind of vibes as, like, Loreland Village in Breath of the Wild. It feels really beachy, and the water looks absolutely beautiful. But it's definitely the most difficult to progress through, but the scaling of the difficulty, like I was just saying, feels really natural with the flow of the game to me. I don't know if you agree there, but... Uh, I loved how puzzly this level was. Um, I'm about to go into a little bit of gameplay. I know we'll uh, touch on that again later, but I just have to say this now. Um, for this level... It it was almost as if the whole game was just training me for that last level. Unfortunately, I ran out of time to really bite into it. Um, I only got like one or two parts and then, you know, Monday came and I had to record with you. Mm -hmm. um, I could see some really interesting challenges though that I didn't get a chance to play through, like being forced to only use a few Pikmin on some really thin maze-like parts. Mm -hmm. In other parts, we have to really think about your positioning in relation to the Pikmin. Hopefully, I time I find the time to finish this game pretty soon, because I'm actually hyped about how much logic these puzzles are going to take. I love stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We're... And, I know, thinking about, for me, seeing how different the gameplay uh, was going to be for that last level, that made me really want to see any kind of design notes that came up on this game on the developer's side. What kind of concepts they're able to come up with with this game system, you know? There's just so much room for interesting puzzles. It's a shame most of them were only found in the last level. So hopefully the next games will have more of those puzzly elements. Oh yeah, if you guys like this, we'll be definitely playing Pikmin 2 soon. I want to get into it. And I want to get into mm -hmm. 3 as well, but I don't know if I can drop $60 on that right now. Again, Cody's a student. I have a child on the way. It's a... Uh, we're not throwing money at everything right now, unfortunately. <laughs> no, this is a low-budget show. Oh, yeah. You can't hear it in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> We're asking for microphones for Christmas, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> nonetheless, you talked about the puzzles and the way they designed some stuff in this last level, the Distant Spring. And there's one that I really want to touch on. I'm trying not to make this too spoilery, but there's one where you have to mm -hmm. change the color of Pikmin back and forth a couple times. and Because you cannot get... The color you need through this thing so you have to change the color 
to a different color, get them through it, then change them back to the color that you need to actually get the thing, and then change them back to get out. And it's it's really neat. I love the mm. way that they kind of really advance the strategy there. It's it's amazing. But after the Distant Spring, there's the final level, the final trial, as it's called. And this area is essentially just a final boss arena. It looks vis- it looks visually appealing as the other ones do, but it's smaller. And seeing as it's not meant to be thoroughly explored, I think it gets a pass. But before we move it's on to just anything a else, place to be. oh yeah, it is an interesting place to be. But before we move on, do you have anything else you're dying to get out about the world and the design of it and its graphics? Um, not too much. I really got out everything I wanted to say there. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I was just touching on the final boss, and that's another thing I want to talk about. There are bosses in this game, Mm -hmm. among other general enemies. And what are your thoughts on the other, more hostile indigenous creatures outside of the Pikmin, of course? Outside of the Pikmin? um, I like that the first thing we ran into was that shiny beetle. It kind of showed you how the Pikmin interact with enemies. Although I gotta say, it scared the crap out of me at first. Because I didn't know if it was going to do any damage, and it moves so freaking fast. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> um, beyond that, I really liked the iconic bull orbs. I think that's what they're called, right? Yeah, the little and, and mouth. The fiery. Hmm? The little mouth polka dot butt boys. Yeah, the little mouth dudes. And I really liked the fiery woolly wogs. And yes, <laughs> that's what they're called. I looked it up. Um... Besides that, the the warm enemies I didn't like as much. The flying enemies just really sucked, uh, just because I'm bad at throwing Pikmin. Uh, Overall, though, super satisfying to direct all 100 Pikmin onto one dude and just see him get decimated. Dude, it's it's so good. I love Um, everything about it. uh, I gotta say, though, there wasn't too much enemy variety. You know, there was, like, just a few types... A, a few archetypes of enemies, and then they would have two or three variations. Uh, that was about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like they could have put more enemies into the game, and maybe that is something that they change with the sequels. I don't know. They could stick with the same five. Well, it's really just bugs, bulborbs, and wallywogs. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, the wallywogs are the frogs, right? I'm not mixing that up. No, no those, those are the little, little elephant guys. Elephant okay, and then there's the also frogs the frogs. Do... The frogs sucked. The fr- I wasn't a fan of the frogs. They took out so many of my Pikmin. But you're right. There isn't a yep. ton of baddies, if you want to even call them that, thing as they're just living life and trying to survive. But we, you know, we do have a few fun ones. Like I was saying, you mentioned the Bulborbs and the Wallywogs and the frogs. There, mm-hmm. There's a good... The enemies that they do have are well-designed, I would say. Each of them, they're distinct. They don't really blend together um between the different archetypes like you're saying i mean mean, we do get a lot of repetition but it's not like you you can tell when you're fighting what you're fighting and i really do like that but outside of those basic enemies there are also a bunch of bosses and the game doesn't really announce like hey this is the boss but it's always clear when you're walking into a boss fight that these are the tougher fights that take more brain power and are meant to be taken a little bit more seriously if you will and one one way they do that was with a change of the music which we'll get into in a little bit but they're usually just isolated in large chunks of these areas, and they're never just as simple as swarm them with Pikmin and keep tossing them. They've all got unique mechanics that make quick work of your army and actually require you to look at them and think about how they can be defeated, and I don't want to spoil all the fights, but they're really enjoyable. Cody, do you have any thoughts on the bosses in this game? Yeah. Um, I know they're supposed to take strategy, but 
I was playing this game pretty quick, and I definitely just threw Pikmin at them. I don't, I don't know if I was fighting any of them correctly. <laughs> I, w I would eventually get through, but after having almost my entire party murdered. Um, but they're pretty fun. Uh, I wish I spent more time trying to actually figure out the right way to beat them all. Oh, yeah. I mean, luckily, I was playing on my... I had save states on my GameCube. Nice. And I would save state before the boss, so I could really kind of try to mess with it rather than having to, like, go back to the last save or whatever and try it again so I could really figure out the mechanics. And I had a lot <laughs> of fun with it. Save states on your GameCube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, save states on my GameCube. Now that we got that all, all that stuff out of the way, I think it's time we can dive into this story a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we've touched on all the characters. I'd love to dive into it. And in case you didn't grasp this from the burn, the story is incredibly simple. You crash land on a planet and have to rebuild your ship so you can leave before your 30 days of life support run out and you die. That is, of course because of this planet's atmosphere being full of poisonous oxygen. But luckily, you have a slave labor force of kamikaze movers known as Pikmin who will fight for you. They'll fight for you, they'll carry your shit for you, and they will die for you. But that's really the whole story. <laughs> One thing I do want to talk about, though, is the way they deliver it. I absolutely love mm -hmm. this. There's no dialogue in the game whatsoever. Just Olimar writing things down on his captain's log, and he's naming all the things around him He's himself because he doesn't have anybody to yeah. talk to, of course which is just great. He names the areas, the Pikmin themselves after a brand of carrot from his home world, and even their little housing ships. He names them onions after onions. <laughs> and the game does an amazing job of develop developing him as a character on the way. Uh, we come to learn Olimar has a wife and kids back home, and he's really worried about getting back to them, but he also reflects on some moments from his past, and he looks forward to reflecting on this journey with them when he does return, especially once he gets a little more hope that he will be returning. Yeah, I I really like how the, the story of what's actually happening in the game is super simple, but uh, it seems like there's more of a focus on that character development, uh, and I really appreciated that. It, it was a lot of fun to go through and slowly learn more about Olimar. I feel like of all the Nintendo games, this is the most I've cared about a character. Oh, yeah, because he, he just seems like a working class man. Like, mm -hmm. he seems like a, a general manager at a Domino's or something trying to get the most out of his little employees. <laughs> we'll touch on that a little bit more. But we do see his relationship with his little drones, the Pikmin, evolve throughout his writing as he documents new findings each day. And he leads us and this leads us right into the ending very well. And I believe this game has multiple endings. Isn't that right? Yeah, it does. That surprised me. Oh, yeah. There are three alternate endings here. The best ending, the good or average ending, quote-unquote, and the, quote, bad ending. I'm going to go ahead and spoil them, so if you don't want to hear it, skip like two to five minutes ahead or something. I don't know. Anyways, the best ending is you gathered all the parts to your ship, and you're waving goodbye to your Pikmin, and you set off into space to reunite with your family, and we see the Pikmin learning to survive on their own on the world, on their own planet, at night, which is really cool. They're learning to fight for themselves, basically, which yeah. is just awesome. And the good ending, as we'll call it, the the one where you collect between 25 and 29 parts, you just you just leave the planet, wave goodbye, and that's about it. Like, you don't even get to, like, really say goodbye. He just kind of looks over his shoulders, and he's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> and yeah. then the, the bad ending, which I don't think is all too bad, personally, happens when you don't get all the parts you need to leave, meaning mm -hmm. less than 25 of them. You try to blast off, but you come crashing back to the planet where the Pikmin drag your body 
that's nearing death to one of the onions, and they send you up into it as you take your dying breaths, and then you're planted just as a Pikmin would be. Now without your spacesuit, but you have a little stem and a leaf. It's it's yeah. it's neat. <laughs> I personally think the bad ending is really good, like I was saying, even though it means you never get to see your family again. But Cody, which one do you think is the actual best ending of the three? I think the actual best ending is the good ending. Um, especially, and I, I don't think you mentioned this, when you get a quick shot of the Pikmin following following Olimar to space. To me, that confirmed my suspicion that the Pikmin were also stranded aliens. So for, for me, I don't know if this is right or not, my theory is that they were totally ready to follow Olimar because they saw him as a, a way off the planet. And maybe they just like weren't brave enough to do it before, and then Olimar's, you know, what let them... Uh, get, get more brave and see that they actually could fight for themselves. Or maybe they're um, just like the 16-year-olds working at Domino's. They need to be shown what to do because they genuinely don't know. They're just stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I gotta say, though, the bad ending, that raises so many questions. What do you mean? Is it like, so anything that goes in your onion will Pikminify whoever goes in? And then is Olimar, are they gonna pull him out? Is he a all a Pikmin now? I wish we could really get a glimpse at his body as a Pikmin. Like, does he still wear clothes? I don't want to see him <laughs> naked, but, like, I'm curious. <laughs> I would love to see him with a regular Pikmin body and just a really big Olimar head. <laughs> the big old nose and everything. Does he still have his whistle? We don't We don't even get to know that. Ugh. I, I don't think I have any of the answers to the questions it raises, but I do know that I enjoyed it. <laughs> i'm excited i'm honestly excited to play game two and see if it answers any of those questions i think i heard something i was reading a bunch of stuff on this game i think i saw that they are the only canonical ending is the best ending where you you and yeah. pikmin sail off so unfortunately i don't think we get the answers in games two or three or even four coming out next year so i'm hoping we can be making boatloads of money off you guys listening by that time so we could actually play it it's the only reason we're doing this is because we want to play the new games. No, I'm joking. You guys are all great. Again, subscribe. Um. Actually, here's a, here's a bit of honesty. At least to me, the biggest reason I like doing this podcast is just because it, it helps me keep in touch with you. Oh, that's great as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I also like being able to play these games that I've always wanted to play, but just never done. And it's great to be able to talk about them with somebody else who just played them. So that's all nice. Yes. <laughs> um, now that we've got all that... Uh, the story stuff out of the way, I would like to dive into the gameplay and the controls, finally. And first things I want to ask you, now, Cody, you mentioned at the start of this episode that it's an RTS game. After playing the game, does Pikmin count as an RTS? Oh, absolutely. It's it's a super interesting type, but it is an RTS. And it is that to a T, I would say, but it's got that Nintendo quality of taking something people normally find hectic and stressful, not sacrificing any of what normally makes that other games in the genre feel that way and making it fun and more easily consumable but with that being said i did still initially have some difficulty with the game especially the controls when i first started i didn't understand the strategy at all and i wouldn't say i was overwhelmed but i think it's fair to say that i realized i actually had to learn a strategy and i was kind of taken aback but after two or three in-game days i'd say it clicked with me and i was having a blast and that only got better the more I messed around with the game, of course. And the timer mechanic being 13-minute day cycle is great. Um, I gotta say, with how weird the strategy is in it, it's 
you gotta think it's quite the challenge for Nintendo to come up with this very specific kind of gameplay and having to somehow teach the players that in a reasonable amount of time, you know, to keep them engaged. Um, that's just Nintendo doing what they do best, though. They're I think they're fantastic at having these weird concepts for a game and getting you to just plug right into it, you know? Oh, and it's like the whole osmosis thing as well, where they tell you the controls at the very beginning and they kind of let you figure it out with some simple puzzles that execute the strategies. And then they're like, okay, now you know this because you figured out this puzzle. And I really mm -hmm. love the way they do that. And another thing I learned to love was the timer mechanic being a 13-minute day cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, while I understand it's essential for a style of game like this, I was never really a fan of it as I felt like it was constantly just interrupting what I was doing, but I really understand why they had to do it as it does make you use your time efficiently and really form a strategy, which is the whole point of an RTS. You know, you're just talking about the timer. Um, I also didn't like it at first, but now that I look back, I, I also appreciate how it gave you that pressure. Um, you, you know, there, it gave you pressure to come up with more efficient strategies. Without the timer, I think I would have had less fun because I would have been able to take my time, you know, figuring out how exactly I want to do something. And I would have all the time in the world to keep making more Pikmin. With the timer, it's like, okay, I got my 100 Pikmin. If, I, if a lot of them die and I have to get more, I'm not going to have enough time to get this item. So I really need to come up with a way to do this without killing too many of them. Mm -hmm. And this game just outright wouldn't work without it, like you're saying. It'd still be a fine enough experience, but it would be so simple. Almost mind-numbing, mm -hmm. maybe. And just adding a timer makes it... It evolves the game so much in such a good way that it's like... It blows my mind, honestly. Another thing that blew my mind was the controls. I do need to go ahead and say this again. We played the GameCube version. Cody doesn't have wrists. Braggling isn't pretty. And he hates the Wii. Just a mess. Again, I, I have wrists. And we were too poor to buy a new Wii when the GameCube was entertainment enough. Well, yeah, but you don't, so whatever. But I, I love the controls in this game. Even the camera, which isn't necessarily what I would have expected GameCube camera controls from a first-party Nintendo game to be. But I do see some of what I wouldn't necessarily call flaws, but room to improve with this game. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's the first entry in a series that has a fourth installment coming sometime next year, hopefully. So these may be resolved in some of those, but we're only talking about the first game, so eat a bug, bite me, whatever. I do want to talk about the camera controls. You guys may know if you listen to past episodes, if there's one thing that really irks me, it's bad camera controls. I said I actually enjoy it, which is incredible because it's not just C-stick controls. And it's because it's both very simple, but also incredibly functional. You basically have three different... I don't know what you would call it, zooms or camera distances that you have to work with. A close mm -hmm. one, a less close one, and a really far one that can give you a great overview of the area you're working in. Additionally, you can press the Z button on the GameCube to get a top-down view, which is really nice to see in some kind of tight areas. I didn't really use it too much, if I'm being honest, but it's really nice. You can use it on all the same distances as you could the normal camera. And lastly, the L button puts the camera directly behind you. And I feel that the maps and the gameplay really lend themselves well to this, and it works phenomenally. I can only recall like two times I had any grievances with the cameras, and they were both easily resolved and probably my fault, if I'm being honest. I'm willing to admit that. But now, Cody, you were using a keyboard on your GameCube, so how, how, did, yeah. the key, how did the camera treat you? Uh, it treated me perfectly fine. It worked great. Uh, I channeled my 
my early childhood of RTSs, um, and usually kept the camera as far away as possible and in that more top-down position. Um, I also found out with the L button putting the camera behind you, a lot of times I would just hold that button down and just run around with the camera behind me. Uh, that worked out really well. Yeah, you're not the only one with that strategy. It worked out real. I, I think the camera was really great. I personally yeah. used the middling view because sometimes I felt like the the really far panned one was like almost a little too much to see some of like the smaller details. But I, I mean, I guess mm -hmm. when I did use it, it never gave me any problems. I think I just like getting a close up look at Olimar's big old nose. <laughs> but as for the gameplay, <laughs> with gotta the, get a good look at that. Uh, mm, that nose. Oh, I wonder if he's nosy. Anyways, for the rest of the game, kind of more gameplay, I'd say everything works well. Olimar moves fine. The cursor on the GameCube takes a little bit of getting used to, but it's not bad. And I know on the Wii it's better. It's just lens. It's just linked to the pointer controls, which makes a lot of sense. And I think that that works. It makes sense from an outsider's perspective. Unfortunately, Cody with the lack of wrists can't really enjoy it. But I wish throwing and plucking Pikmin was faster, even just a little bit. Also, if I could just hold A instead of mashing for what feels like an eternity, that would be a welcome mm -hmm. change. They probably put that in. It makes too much sense to not put in. But otherwise, the controls are fine enough to me, at least. But Cody, what were your thoughts? Controls were just fine. Um, like you said, I was using the keyboard on my GameCube. <laughs> so I think if I had analog sticks, some parts of it would have been a lot easier in terms of like throwing your pigment. Uh, I almost never threw the Pikmin unless I absolutely had to, just because having only four buttons for direction made that kind of a nightmare. Um, what else do I have to say about it? I mean, I agree with you in terms of plucking the Pikmin. That was pretty slow. Luckily, I had a little speed-up button, <laughs> and I used that every time I had to pluck them. I forgot about the speed-up button I was using on my head on my GameCube. What a shame. What a shame. <laughs> I love our GameCubes. So... <laughs> So Mine's more of a rectangle and it sits under my desk. I don't know. <laughs> Mine's got all these colored lights on them. <laughs> As for the actual gameplay of Pikmin, we've kind of already talked about how it all works. You have Pikmin carry stuff back to the, your their onions or your ship. You have them commit murder for you. You can have them break things for you. You can kill them. You can have them kill for you. You're oh, yeah. basically a bureaucratic shift manager, and I love it. In essence, though, that's kind of what any good RTS game is. I mean, the goal isn't just to collect things within the allotted time, but it kind of starts as that. I personally would often get to a new area and essentially waste a whole 13-minute day exploring the new terrain, maybe clearing some things and defeating some enemies, and creating a plan for the subsequent days and kind of realizing, oh, okay, this is how this works, this is what I have to do to get this, and I was kind of living in fear of the sun making its way across the top of the screen. Personally, I felt like I was often ending my days a little early in addition to wasting a mm. few. But as you may guess it, that's kind of how a game like this goes, especially when you're first starting out. I'm sure a seasoned Pikmin vet knows exactly how to go down to that last second. But there were times mm. I still had a dot or two and I'm like, OK, end. <laughs> um, I, I noticed I didn't realize this until I was near the end of my gameplay. When your Pikmin move ship parts, they'll be in the same place they were left at when you come back at a different day. The ship parts, not the pick. Yeah, not the pigment, the ship parts. And uh, it took me a while to figure this out. As long as the Pikmin were following you, you could be anywhere on the map, and you'd return with them at the end of the day when the countdown goes down. If I knew both those things, I feel like I probably would have 
being a lot more efficient in the game. There was one time, this was one of my crowning achievements of strategy in this game. I realized I did not have enough time to get a part that needed to go through the water back. And I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, this stinks. But I realized, oh, I have enough time to get it out of the water. So I brought my blue Pikmin, brought it out of the water, rounded them up, and ended the day, like, right at the timer. And then the next day, I just yeah. brought red Pikmin to drag it back. It was in the forest navel. It was one of those parts. But I, I was like, look at me maximizing a little bit of time there. It wasn't even that efficient, but it was a little bit. <laughs> I mean, oh, nothing dude. I did was necessarily the most efficient, but it was my first playthrough, so it cut me a little bit of slack here. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt so good to have those moments where, like, you have your Pikmin do one thing, and you go, oh my gosh, I can go make other Pikmin do other things at the same time. Hey. I felt... Big brained. You I felt like that. Hermes from Futurama, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> the game quickly does turn from getting everything within the allotted time into managing your time as efficiently as possible and seeing mm-hmm. how well you could manage your little Pikmin labor force and getting the most out of them and maximizing their productivity. It honestly got me wondering what Pikmin speedruns are like, and I I'm probably going to go watch some before I go to bed tonight. It's just it's just so much fun. But personally, I would not call myself a leader or a manager. I like to think of myself as a big picture guy, good at thinking of things and even making some plans, but I've never really been one for execution. Would you say that's fair description of myself? No, that seems to be... Uh, you're limiting your potential when you say that. A lot of things <laughs> I would do, I'd say I come up with an idea and I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I'm like 75% of the way there. I'm like, yeah, I need some help. Like somebody get me the other 25% of the way there. Like, even this yeah, with the podcast, I'm like, I want to start a podcast. And Cody's like, all right. And then we did. <laughs> we kind of, we kind of, I'm like, so I was thinking just talking about games and stuff. And Cody's like, all right, let's kind of do this style. And then sure enough, it worked out. And here we are now talking about Pikmin. But it's, uh... <laughs> so yeah, I'm not one for execution. But Pikmin allows me to strategize and formulate plans, which I can then attempt to execute. And I've got to say, it's incredibly satisfying. And I think it opened my eyes to some stuff I can actually use in the real world, maybe. I don't know. Probably Ooh, look not. Look at that. Video games really teaching us something. Oh yeah. Do you have anything else on kind of the strategy of this game before we move on to the next section? I just love how you can have those moments where you're managing different groups of Pikmin at different times. And I really like the mechanic of how when you disband them, they automatically sort themselves by type. So that made it a lot easier to be like, all right, blue Pikmin, you do this. Red Pikmin, run in that fire. Yellow Pikmin, go die. You know, it was, <laughs> it really worked out. Oh, personally, real quick, this isn't on the sheet or anything, but I want to ask, what was your distribution of Pikmin like in your playthrough? Like, not necessarily what you were using at any time, but what you were planting. What and, I was planting? Yeah, how much um, plucking? Definitely, I had the most red Pikmin. For me, I use them as the generalists. Like, if I didn't specifically need blue or yellow Pikmin, I was sending out the red guys. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if the game ever specifically mentioned this, but I saw in some research, they're actually the strongest ones for combat, too. Yeah, I I definitely, I, I assumed that for some reason when I was playing. I think the game does tell you that, but I also listened to a couple things where people were talking about the game and whatnot, and they definitely make that clear. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I was using the red Pikmin that way until I got into the later game, personally. I just started just using all the blue Pikmin unless I needed anything else because there's just (laughs) so much water in the distant spring. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to mess with this. Here's some strategy. Um, When I was getting to the last couple levels, the way I would tackle it is before I did anything, I would 
oh, excuse me, I would gather an army of red Pikmin and just go murder everything on the map. Mm-hmm. And then I was safe to do whatever I wanted with the rest of the Pikmin. That's a good way to do that, for sure. Yellow Pikmin, though, how many would you say you had? Personally, I don't think I ever had more than 20 on the field at once. Ever. Really? really? I would have... I would get up to 50 if I was doing 50-50 with them and, and red or blue Pikmin. Uh, I think they're my second most sprouted Pikmin. Like, I never used them much, but for some reason, I always had a crap ton of them. Yeah, I never really planted a bunch of yellow Pikmin because I noticed that I never really used them. So I'd say by the t- before I left the forest, Naval, I think blue Pikmin had sur- surpassed yellow, which was... Not something I expected, but it works out nonetheless. I don't have any complaints with that. I always had the least amount of blue Pikmin because, I mean, I would use them a lot, but they also died a lot under my hand. Yeah, the frogs are assholes. You know who else might be an asshole? I gotta ask. Olimar. Is Olimar a bad person? Yes or no? No. No. (laughs) Gut reaction. He's not. A little gut reaction there. I mean, the only reason I say this is he is kind of running a slave labor force, and he is committing murder to alien. Well, they're in their home world. You're the, you're the alien here. He, he is very willing to send these Pikmin to die, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I granted, I think Olimar's definitely got more morals than EA. If you didn't check out that episode last week, but at the <laughs> nice same plot. time, like, I don't know. He like. Is it wrong for him to charge at all, like the Bulborbs, for instance, even though they are trying to eat you? Personally, I don't think so. If something's trying to kill me, I think I'm allowed to try to kill it. I, I definitely got to a point where there would be enemies out of my way that weren't bothering me at all and had no reason to attack, but I would just send the Pikmin to go kill them anyways, because why not? Oh, especially when you had so okay. many and they're, you're just like, eh, if I lose one or two, it's whatever. Yeah, once I had a hundred, it's like the, the power went to my head a little bit. Ah. Uh. I mean, that and just at the end, you kind of when I first started out, I'm like, I didn't want to lose a single Pikmin. I think I lost like 400 Pikmin in this playthrough, which is an obscene amount. People are like, oh, you got to try to do it with losing less than 100. I'm like, that just didn't happen. (laughs) But there were times where I'm like, I'm probably going to lose like two or three. That's okay. I lost like 18. I'm like, it's probably fine. Just keep moving. (laughs) It's a lot like... (laughs) I don't know if this is fully appropriate. It's a lot like peeing when you're drunk. You know, I I spent the longest time not letting any of them die. I would put so much effort into that until I finally broke the dam and some died. And then after that, I was just like, fuck it, it's going. Just send them. (laughs) And just like that. Yeah, I was having like 50 die per day. But you're planting them back and it's like, well, I didn't really lose any because I got new ones. (laughs) I'm like, if 20 died killing this guy and he sprouts 25, did I really lose any? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing when you're drinking. Yeah, I just drank 12 ounces of beer, but I just peed three times, so I got more room for more beer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Fun stuff. Don't be an alcoholic, though. Um, (laughs) Don't drink, ever. It's bad. Do you think it's wrong to kill all the bulborbs and stuff, though? Like, from from a PETA standpoint, if you are PETA... Probably. Probably, yeah. I mean... It, It probably... Like, there were times when I wasn't paying attention and I would be bringing a ship part back and my Pikmin would walk, like, directly into a ball board and I just, I'd be doing oh something else. And I'm like, oh, Some no. of these Pikmin are so dumb. Oh, God. It's, you can just go around. Just go around him. But no. Ugh, it's a mess. 
nonetheless, though. Do you think it's okay to have these Pikmin doing our bidding, though? I mean, personally, I thought they just seemed like mindless drones in need of direction, much like the unmotivated Domino's employees sitting in the back hitting their jewels or whatever. But with our help, they'll actually be productive, which is good. But who's to say they don't just want to loaf around all day and croak when the sun goes down? I mean, who am See, I to here's say? my thing. Olimar, in one of the logs, mentioned that he was kind of scared of the Pikmin, because he was like, if they can take down these big enemies so easily, why are they not attacking me? And so to me, that might suggest consent on the Pikmin's part. That they don't that's kill him? Yeah, that's why I'm thinking they might see Olimar as useful and they're willing to die for him. But they also don't defend themselves at night until you leave. <laughs> yeah, it, well, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. They were just super scared and weren't doing anything until Olmar came up. And then Olmar's the one who had the motivation to go out and do stuff. And the Pikmin, all they needed was was someone to to show them the way. Although now that I say that, that sounds very white savior. <laughs> a little bit. They need a little Joe Crocker in their life, get by with a little help from their friends. It's, it's mm -hmm. fine. But should we feel bad for abandoning them, abandoning them on this planet once they help us fix our ship? I know a couple come with us, but they do show Pikmin fighting Bulborbs at night on their own after we leave. <laughs> we really did just leave. That part kind of confused me. When Olimar does his final look back, he just shakes his head. Like, he looks over guys. his shoulder and like nods and then runs into a yeah. ship. <laughs> Oh, what does the what does the head shake mean? What, what is he is he like sad that he has to leave them? Is he just like I took him more of like they a, really did all that for me. I took him more as the generic walking past another guy. You make a direct eye contact with him. You just kind of nod a little bit. No, no, he he did more than the head nod. Do you remember? I'd have to look. <laughs> he, he did the head nod, and then when he looked away, he shook his head. Oh yeah, yeah no, I do know what you're talking about though. I think yeah, maybe he did feel a little bad. I don't know. But nonetheless, since they're okay, I think this one is okay. I don't know if I'm the only one with that thought. And plus, a couple did go into space with you, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> it's fun stuff. There is one more thing I really want to touch on before we wrap this up, and that is the mm -hmm. music and the audio design. What are your first thoughts when you think about Pikmin music? Uh, it was super fun, lighthearted, calming. It never annoyed me it was never uh too much in the forefront either though i gotta be honest i forgot to keep an ear out for the music during this gameplay because i was having so much fun uh, just playing the game micromanaging so, yeah so i don't have uh too much to say about it i do know it was all right not all right it was good and it was never to where i noticed anything bad Personally, I wanted to talk about the audio in this game really bad, and particularly the music. But before I even started my save file, when I first booted the game, and you hear a little Pikmin, when the Nintendo logo pops up, he's going, Pikmin! It's, it's, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. And then you get the title oh, theme cute. there, and then just going to the outer space cutscene, the music's a little dull, but then you get into the the forest of hope, and that was such a familiar track to me. I hadn't even realized it, but it's like every Nintendo YouTuber's B-roll music, and it's so good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I watch Arlo every, a lot. 
and he uses it Every a lot. Every calm Nintendo playlist has that song somewhere in it. It's just so good, and I absolutely love it. And then the way they do the boss music, it's still, like, kind of peaceful and whatnot, but at the same time, it's got a level of suspense and tension to it that I really like. I don't mm -hmm. know really how to explain music, but that's all I've got here. I think it's safe to say the music in this game is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, I mean... All I'll say is it's calm, happy, and nice, and it's like a warm blanket, and I need more of it. Inject it directly into my veins. I have no clue what instruments they use or how they make the songs, but it's peaceful, and I need it. Lastly, though, outside of the music, there is some other audio design I want to talk about. What do you think about the Pikmin's audio? I really liked the audio design. That's something I feel like I can talk a little bit more about. Uh, I really liked that the audio, to me was super effective in communicating what I was doing. You know, there was never any ambiguity on whether or not I got these guys or, you know, they they were sent where I need them to. There was always some noise made whenever I did something. It, it felt kind of punchy. Like, I was really affecting the world, affecting the game. Oh, every sound effect do... carries such weight to it. It's, it's nice. Yeah. The bell, though. The little bell that chimed. What was that for? I kept hearing that, oh. and I assume it's like if the Pikmin got back to the ship or something? That took me a little while to figure out. That's whenever they finish a task or something. Oh, wait, okay. no, no, there's the That's bell that goes thinking. every, like, quote-unquote hour for the dial. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, but there's also a little jingle that happens when your Pikmin finish, like, breaking down a wall or building a bridge or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain mm -hmm. that other than a little jingle. But that was really yeah, nice when like I figured that out. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, it's like, oh, now they're done with that wall. I can go direct them on what to do next or whatever. Yeah, except I, I never really left my Pikmin far enough to where I would really need that because I was just so scared they'd get eaten while I was away. Oh, I had points where I was literally like leaving my like I'd send thirty Pikmin to go break down this wall and bring thirty over here to bring this ship part back, and I'd bring the last forty. Let's go take out this boss real quick, and then drag that ship part back. And once I'm done fighting the boss, say hey, you guys broke through this thing. Let's go get this part through here. And it, it was kind of like really trying to be efficient with it like that. So that was that was really nice. But the Pikmin's audio themselves, while it's not any like kind of language, not even animalese like Animal Crossing would be, it's it's so nice. It's wholesome and adorable. They're little yippy yahoos. <laughs> yeah. So cute. And just like it the noises they make when you're plucking them out of the ground, it's like a rubber band stretching to the max. I love everything mm, yeah. about it. The, the audio in this game is so good. Like, it's so, I, I had it cranked up. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's Pikmin. I absolutely love this game. Everything about it's really good. Of course, there are some, not necessarily flaws, but this is the first entry in the series, and there is room for improvement. But there's a lot I'm looking forward to, hopefully in the near future when we play these other games, and eventually even Pikmin 4. Cody, you got anything else you want to get off your mind about this game? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that we got to play this. Uh, this has always been one of those games, kind of in the back of my mind, on my list, that I knew I needed to play, but I just really never got around to it. Um, I'm glad we were able to use this opportunity to do that, and I do not regret it at all. I'm so ready to play the sequels. Um, I'm fully on board with Pikmin now. So yeah, we're going to cover Pikmin 2 in the near future. Don't know exactly when. Don't hold me to it. And uh, if you want us to play Pikmin 3, check out the Patreon. It's linked below in every episode. <laughs> yeah. Give us money so we can buy yeah. it legally, because I don't know how to emulate Switch. Pay for our Pikmin. 
so we can tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear our thoughts? Give <laughs> us money. <laughs> hey, Wong at all. <laughs> Anyways. People say our thoughts are worth like two cents, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens when we continue to get more subscribers and YouTube tells us what we're worth. <laughs> Looking forward to that day. <laughs> Anyways, I think that one's going to wrap this up. We're a little bit short on time, but I think it's fine. It's right. a short game, honestly. Hey, we got everything we wanted to get out. I think we did good. Proud of this one. If you listened all the way through, I will say, though, you are my hero. And if you could rate, review, subscribe, like, whatever it is, that'd be pretty cool. I'd appreciate it. You already heard me say it two or three times now. If you haven't done it yet, what are you doing? Anyways, thank you guys all very much for listening to me. And Cody, he's here, too, without his wrists. But we will see you next week on Analog Sticks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.